0: All right, well, uh, good morning. How we doing today? All right. Well, hey, welcome to the Story Church's Museum District Campus. I am um, really glad that you guys are here this morning. I also want to welcome those of you that are joining us online today. And if y'all really want to know where my heart is, this morning is with all my people out at the Timber Grove campus who are joining us live right now. Timber Grove family, I love you. Um, I'm sad I'm not there, but I'm with you today. So if, if, if we haven't met yet, this is your first time here. My name's Kale. I am the pastor out at our Timber Grove campus, where if you're not familiar, our Timber Grove campus, we gather every Sunday at 9.45 and 11 a.m. And we are out at 8200 Washington Avenue. And so every Sunday we're gathering together. And so the Timber Grove campus, we're a little over a year old, and it has been incredible just to see the way that God has moved and just breathed life into this church throughout two different campuses. Um, so if you have any friends that are in and around the Heights or Timber Grove area, I'd love for you to invite them to join us every Sunday morning. So I'm, uh, I'm here. This is actually my first time ever here on, on Sunday. So again, I'm, I'm sad I'm, I'm not at Timber Grove, but I'm, I'm glad to be here. And so what we're doing is we're continuing this series that we're in that Eric launched last week, and it's a series titled The Purpose of Pain. It's how Jesus made sense of suffering. And last week, Pastor Eric, he walked us through how Jesus overcame betrayal, how Jesus made sense of it, how Jesus found purpose in betrayal. And so Eric decided to go out of town and uh, leave me the joyful message of agony today. So... (laughs) We're gonna talk about agony today, so welcome to the story. Um, I'm, uh, I'm glad you're here, but here's, here's what I specifically wanna talk about today. I wanna to talk about how we can strengthen our faith in and through agony. How we can strengthen our faith in and through agony. So agony isn't a word that we typically just throw around in our everyday language. So here's what I wanna do for the purpose of our talk today. I wanna to define agony for us. And so agony, it's pain, that you choose to wrestle with. It's pain that you choose to wrestle with. Typically, when we think of pain and agony, we kind of use them interchangeable. We view them as synonyms. But if we, if we look deeper than that, then, then while all agony is pain, not all pain is agony. Agony, it's pretty distinct, and it's, it's probably different than any other type of pain that we'll talk about throughout this series. Agony it's pain that we willingly step into. It's pain that we willingly step into. And, and here's the reality of this is that sometimes we don't, we don't want to step into agony, but sometimes we need to choose to step into it. Agony, it's a virtue because the reality is that agony, it's, it's the only time that we step into things, the only time we agonize over things, it's decisions. It's people, it's pain. The only time we do that are the things that we care about the most. So things that we care about the most. We don't step into agony over things that we don't care about. We, we agonize over the things that we cherish, that we treasure, that we love the most. So that's what we, we step into that. So, so that's because agony, it's not my idea of fun. It's not like what I wake up in the morning and look forward to. Oh, I can't wait to step into agony today. Can't wait to for today to be a life of, a day of anguish, right? Even on on Christian radio, if y'all listen to KSBJ, you know, they have these little slogans like, today I choose joy, today I choose uh, peace, today I choose strength. They're not saying, hey, today I choose agony. Not saying that. Even at the Story Church, we're not putting up signs that say, hey, the Story Church, where we choose agony, come, (laughs) come agonize with us. Hey, you're invited, come agonize with us. It'll be fun, it'll be great. We don't don't do that, but the reality is that the Bible, it teaches us that while certainly we shouldn't agonize over everything, but we should agonize over some things. We should. In the passage today, we're going to see Jesus who agonizes over some things in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he agonizes over it. And I think he gives us a glimpse of the beauty that can come in and through our agony. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 22 today. So if you have your Bibles, you can grab them. I know in the museum district, we have Bibles right in front of you. At Timber Grove, you have Bibles in the back as well, but we'll also have the text on the screen as well. So again, this is Luke chapter 22. We're going to be in verses 39 through 46. I'm going to open up my Bible so I don't get fired. (laughs) But here's, uh, here's Luke chapter 22. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. He knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him and being in anguish, here it is, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer, went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. There are layers to this story. Layers. Theologians call this the the garden that, Jesus is his humanity and his divinity collide. And there's so many layers to the story, but here's what I wanna do today. I wanna focus on three questions. Three questions that I think specifically deal, deal with agony and how Jesus deals with it. So three questions today. Why should we agonize with God? Why should we? Second question, how should we agonize with God? And third question is what should we agonize with God over? What should we agonize with God over? So the first question, why should we agonize with God? It's a good question. Why should we? Sunday school answer is because Jesus did, so we should. Right, but there's there's more to that. Why did Jesus willingly step into a garden where, where beauty grows, where life flourishes? Why did he step into disappointment and depression and agony? Why did he do it? Jesus knew the plan. He knew his mission. Jesus knew that he was going to go to the cross for the redemption of the world. He knew what he was doing, but why did he choose to agonize over that? Why didn't he go straight to the cross? Why did he choose to not minimize the pain, not ignore the pain? Why did he choose to bear the pain? Why? And there are are layers to everything Jesus does and everything Jesus says. There are layers to them. So if you noticed in verse 41, that that Jesus, it said that he withdrew to about a stone's throw away from his disciples. Do you know that? And Luke is is very clear about putting this in in, in his gospel. says that he withdrew about a stone's throw away. That also means that he was within earshot of his disciples. His disciples could hear him. They could see him. They could hear what he was praying about. They could see how he was praying. And what Jesus is doing, I think what he's teaching his disciples, what he's teaching us is that wrestling, agonizing with God, the Father. It's not only welcomed, but God wants us to do it. Like God wants us to wrestle with him. Not only can we, but we should wrestle with God about the pain and the people in your life. We should, we should step into it. And we see this all throughout the Bible. So, obviously, in in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see this with Jesus. We see this throughout the New Testament. We see this throughout the Old Testament, too. We see it in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. We see it in the life of a guy named Jacob. And and Jacob, that name, literally means the deceiver. So, Jacob was just a shady guy, one of the shadiest guys in a book of shady guys. And what Jacob, he was a thief, a liar, obviously a deceiver. He was a mama's boy. Jacob was, was, he was a mess. But Jacob, he was a guy that, that you have to put your wallet in your front pocket when you're around him. But, but Jacob, he, he wrestled with God. Literally wrestled with God. God broke his hip. He was in pain and he still wrestled with God in and through that. And Then God honored and blessed that. Changed his name. God blesses Jacob in the wrestling. This is Genesis 32 Verses 28 and 29, this is God speaking. says, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Then he blessed them there. God changed Jacob's name from Jacob the deceiver to Israel, which Israel literally means to wrestle with God. That word agony in the Greek, it also means to contend with God, to wrestle with God. So what God does here, changes Jacob's name from Jacob to Israel. And not only that, but he changes the name of his people. God's chosen people, his treasured treasured possession, he calls them Israelites, the people who wrestle with God. The people who wrestle with God. Jesus wrestles with God in the garden. If Jacob, shady character, wrestles with God, then so can we. So can we. Not only only should we, but I would even say God is begging us to. Like God is begging us to wrestle with him. And whether you have a church background or not, this, wrestling with God, agonizing with God, it can might look a lot like disobedience to him. Like this might look like a lack of faith or a lack of trust. This could look like walking in disobedience with God, but the invitation that Jesus is inviting us into is that that this is walking in obedience with him. That being obedient to God actually is wrestling with him. It is agonizing with him and that we should step into it. Like, this is what it looks like because when the agony subsides, you are stronger for it. When the agony subsides, when you're, when you're left after agonizing and wrestling with God, your relationship with God, the one that you have agonized with is stronger. It's deeper. Your faith and your trust in him, you have built just a stronger bond with the God that you've agonized with. And and we see this example play out in marriages all the time. I see this example is marriages that are are kind of teetering on the brink. Sometimes uh, one of the biggest red flags that I see in a marriage is when a couple just throws up their hands and they just just can't deal with the conflict. They just don't deal with it. They stop wrestling with each other. They don't step into the conflict. Most of the time they made, they run away from it. They become apathetic towards it. They become numb to it. Their hearts are hardened a little bit. They just ignore it. And, and what happens is their marriage becomes weaker by the day. Their relationship becomes weaker by the day. Look, I, I say this qu- quite a bit, but, but your faith, your relationships, they're not neutral. You're either pressing in or you're drifting away. And and then on the other hand, I see marriages that are still on the brink of disaster, that are still teetering. I see couples that are are continually, persistently wrestling with God for each other. They're agonizing with God for each other. They're stepping into the mess, not running away from the mess. They're realizing it. They're recognizing it. They're stepping into it. Sure, it's painful. It's going to hurt. It's going to stretch but they're stepping into it together, agonizing and wrestling with God for each other, and their bond is stronger for it. doesn't mean that they're perfect. doesn't mean that it's all sunshine and rainbows, but that means that they are stronger because they have agonized with each other. And in the agony, that's where restoration and redemption happens. That's where it happens. You'll be stretched, but your bond will be stronger through it. So why should you agonize with God? Because he wants you to. God wants, he's inviting, I would even say he's begging you to. And it'll strengthen your relationship with him. It'll strengthen your trust in him. It'll strengthen your faith in him. And, and being a pastor, I hear, I hear that yearning, that desire all the time. Like, I hear people say, hey, look, I want to strengthen my relationship with God. Like, I want to strengthen my trust. I want to strengthen my faith. It's an honorable thing to yearn, but but then the next question is, how do I do it? How do I do it? And so if we see that agonizing with God, it strengthens our relationship with him, then how do we agonize with God? How do we do it? It's a good question. And Jesus, again, He's, he's teaching us. Some things in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's teaching us how to agonize with God. And I think he does it in a couple ways. In the first, and you're probably not going to be surprised by this. Like, I imagine you're not going to be shocked at hearing a pastor say, You should agonize with God in prayer. So, in prayer. But let's go deeper than that. I'm not just telling you to pray. How does Jesus pray? Do you notice that Jesus, he was persistent in his prayer? He continued in his prayer throughout the gospel accounts. says that Jesus continued to God with prayer three times. He prayed all night in that garden. All night, after a good meal and some good wine, he was praying all night. So what is he teaching us? It's really important to understand the posture and the persistence of Jesus' prayer. Did you see verse 41 says he, he withdrew. When he withdrew a stone's throw away from his disciples, he knelt down in prayer. Knelt. Why did Jesus do that? Did, is he telling us that we should, every time we pray, we should physically kneel down in prayer? Maybe, but I think he's teaching us something about our posture in our prayer. We should come to God in humility, to the almighty God, creator of heaven with, hum- with humility, who is inviting, who's wanting, who's yearning for us to come to him, mere mortals like, mere mortals like us wants us to come to him. What kind of God is this? But what happens when we've come to God in prayer, maybe even come to God in humility and prayer, but we feel like God doesn't answer our prayers? It's a question we've all asked ourselves. Why doesn't God answer our prayers? What should we do then? I think Jesus is saying, I don't think he's being trite. I think he's saying, keep on praying. Continue praying. Be persistent in prayer. Because being consistent, being persistent in prayer, it might not change the outcome, but it might change your desired outcome. It might produce a shift in your heart. <laughs> there was a shift in Jesus' prayer and in his heart. you see it? That Jesus, specifically verse 44, I think we have it. It says, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. Jesus prayed more earnestly. Earnest, reverent, honest, raw, authentic prayer. That's what God desires. That's what he wants. And there was a shift in Jesus's prayer. There was a shift there. That he, he prayed not to continue to have this cup pass from me, but he prayed in success in drinking the cup. Do you see it? There was a shift in his prayer, and his persistent prayer and in humility, there was a shift in his prayer. And if Jesus, truly God, truly man can do this, then so should we, so should we be persistent in prayer and humility. So in prayer with community, with community. Jesus, he always is bringing his disciples with him. He brings his disciples with him to the Mount of Olives, to where we're at here in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus, throughout his his ministry, he was generally open to all, and he was painfully specific with a few. Painfully specific. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he, he, he dealt with large crowds. And then oftentimes, his teaching would whittle them down. The most famous is when Jesus has a large crowd and and he's teaching and he says, take up your cross and follow me. And then the crowd whittles down pretty, pretty good. And then when the crowd shrunk, Jesus' vulnerability grew. It grew. Jesus, he pursued, he pursued solitude, but not isolation. Jesus, he had community around him that he invited them in to agonize with and he also agonized with them too. So here's here's a question. Have you allowed, have you invited people into your life to agonize with you? Do you have people in your life that, that you can agonize with God with? And if you're not in an agonizing season, then I guarantee you have someone in your life who is. Reach out to them. Let them know that you're with them, that you're for them, that you can agonize with them. Like, let them know. Significant. So with community. So in prayer, with community, by surrender. By surrender. By surrendering our will to God's will. It's a difficult thing. It's an easy thing to say. It's a really difficult thing to do. And honestly, this is the thing that I struggle with the most. Surrendering. It's surrendering my will to God's will. And oftentimes, it's because I, it's hard to distinguish my will from God's will. Sometimes they align, but it's, it's hard to distinguish. And I feel that I found that when I wrestle with God, that his will becomes clear to me. It becomes clear that when I wrestle with God, my will, sometimes they align with God's will, but my will becomes distinct, becomes clear. And sometimes I need to step away from it and I can step into God's will because God's will, it just draws me in when I wrestle with him. It allows me to see my will that I need to surrender and then step into God's will. It draws me in, his grace and his truth, it, it draws you in. And here's the thing you will never be satisfied with God's will unless you have this agonizing conversation with him. You won't. Because you won't, you won't be able to distinguish your will from his, and you'll resent his will. And then you'll, you'll go through life with a shallow faith, with a shallow relationship with him, and it'll have a shallow effect on your soul. This was, this was me. Like I, that's what I dealt with a lot of my life, a lot of my adult life. Just minimizing it, ignoring it, not surrendering my will to God's will, not stepping into that, just saying, I'll, I'll, we'll do that later." Just like a, a reed in the wind just being blown back and forth. But by surrendering,' we're actually we're rooting ourselves. We're building a foundation that we can step into God's will joyfully because we know that it's good, it's better. It's better, so how should you agonize with God in prayer, with community, by surrender? And then finally, what should you agonize over? What should you agonize over? We certainly certainly shouldn't agonize over everything. We know this, right? We know this. Timber Grove, like, we know this. It'll kill you. It'll destroy you. Don't agonize over everything, but we should agonize over some things. We should. We should be agonizing over the war in Ukraine. We should be. We should be agonizing over injustice. We should be. And I bet if I, if I pulled this room right now, if I, if I pulled you guys over at Timber Grove, I bet what I would find is that you would have some sort of answer to what you should agonize with by faith, family, and friends. Makes sense? Should I agonize over faith, family, and friends? We've just talked about it. You should agonize over your family. Yes, absolutely. Agonize with God about your spouse, about your kids, about your parents, about your siblings, agonize with God about your your relationships. Absolutely agonize with God about that. Agonize with God about your faith, we just talked about it, absolutely. There's a passage in the Bible that that I love that when we agonize with God, it it strengthens our faith. And there's there's this man who comes to Jesus, he's desperate, his son is sick, And he comes to Jesus and he says, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Like that's a prayer. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. There's tension in that. You feel it? That's that's an honest prayer. And and look, if you're not real sure about God, you're not not real sure about Jesus, you know what an honest prayer is? Maybe not a prayer, but you know what an honest conversation is? God, I don't believe. Help me. Help me. God honors these honest prayers. He honors them. So should we agonize about faith, family, friends? Absolutely. But there's something more here. If we step into the garden with Jesus, what is Jesus agonizing over? What's what's he agonizing over? Is he agonizing over the pain the excruciating pain that is coming for him on the cross? Is that what he's agonizing over? Probably. Definitely has something to do with it. Is he agonizing over the pain of his family and friends betraying him, deserting him, abandoning him, leaving him? Is he he agonizing over that? Probably. That definitely has something to do with it. But there's something deeper here. Scripture, it's teaching us that Jesus is agonizing over the cup that was appointed to him by the Father. The cup that was full of wrath from sin. And Jesus, Jesus, who was without sin, in him he knew no sin, he took that cup, he agonized over that cup for our sin, for your sin, and for mine. He agonized over it. So what should we agonize over? Faith, family, friends, injustice Absolutely. And we should agonize over our sin too. We should choose to step in and wrestle with our sin. And that's not by ourselves. That's with the spirit of the living God that will help us. That claims victory over sin. And I don't know what you came in here with today. I don't. I don't know if you've been agonizing over the same sin for years and you've just been beating yourself up. You've been self-condemning, far too critical of yourself, that it's led you to shame and isolation. That's not what I'm talking about. Or well, I don't know if, you've, if you're here and you haven't really thought about sin in a while. Maybe you've ignored it. Maybe you've minimized it. Maybe you've become apathetic towards it. Maybe your heart's become a little bit hard towards it. Healthy agony over sin shouldn't lead us to shame. It shouldn't lead us to isolation. It shouldn't lead us to self-condemnation. That's not the gospel of Jesus. Healthy agony over sin, it should lead us to conviction. And conviction is a gift from the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. Healthy agony, it should. It should allow us to be painfully honest about our sin with God and be gloriously certain about our forgiveness. Certain. Gloriously certain about our identity in Christ that our names are changed, a son, a daughter, people who wrestle with God, certain about our identity. And Jesus, he chose to willingly step into this agony and to our sin to wrestle it away from us, to wrestle it away from us. Jesus wants to give you freedom from it, freedom. That means we have to recognize it. That means we have to realize it. We have to step into it. And that means that we can lay our burdens down at the feet of Jesus, whose yoke is easy and his burden is light. There's freedom. There is real, real freedom. When we agonize with God, there's freedom. So why should we agonize with God? It's to strengthen our faith and our trust in in him because he wants us to, he's begging us to. In prayer, with community, by surrender, he's inviting us into that. He's inviting us into freedom, to agonize with him, to wrestle with him in order for him to bless us with the freedom that comes in and through it. There's freedom on the other side of it, but we have to choose to step into it and it'll be painful and it'll hurt and it'll stretch, but it's worth it. Freedom, it's, it's worth it. So step into it. Allow the God of the universe to wrestle sin away from you for freedom. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for the freedom that we can find in agonizing with you, God, that that you desire and you want us to come to you, to wrestle with you, to lay whatever we have down to you that we can be certain of our forgiveness and painful, painfully honest with our sin. God, we thank you for restoration and redemption that you bring to us, that you give to us. God, we are thankful for who you are. Just remind us today, help us, strengthen us Give us courage to step into it and wrestle with you. And remind us of the victory that you hold over it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.